Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Juice the Numbers, your Six Sports Guy podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corbin Heller. Yeah. And, uh, whew. Anyway, uh, it is uh, it is October 18th. It's about 6.45 p.m. here on the East Coast. Uh, the Jets are currently getting their booty blasted by the Finns. Uh, the, Ray, no, the Rays are in the World Series. The Braves and Dodgers are currently uh, set to battle it out in about an hour and a half from now to determine which of the two of them does it in a Game 7. Uh, Corwin, are you ready to start getting into stuff? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, before we dive into, <laughs> once again, the Jets, there's just always more to say with, with how bad this team is. Um, is this the Jets podcast now? Well, I, I was thinking maybe we could start off with, with a team doing exactly the opposite of what the Jets are doing. How are your Steelers, Corwin? Oh, they're pretty good. Fucking dismantled the brownies today. 5-0 and for the first time in quite a while. Uh, and I got to say, we look fucking good. Definitely passing of the eye test. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, did you expect them to be this good? Uh, I expected the defense to be exactly what they're showing now. Uh, dominant against the run, little aggression, you know, in the passing game. You know, I did not expect uh, Minka Fitzpatrick to kind of regress back to the way he's been playing. Um, but I mean, he had a pick six today, so hopefully that's him turning it around. Uh, offensively, I expected them to be good. Obviously, you know, I, I thought Ben was going to come back strong, which he has. Uh, I did not expect, uh, the running game to be quite as effective as it has been. And I definitely did not expect this kind of season from, uh, Chase Claypool, which is unbelievable. I mean, watching him play is like watching... Genuinely, you know, Calvin Johnson, a Julio Jones type player where he is just physically beating up these defensive backs is just a step ahead of everybody else. Um, and like his his body control is unbelievable. I like I never saw, you know, someone on the Steelers with that kind of combination, you know, guys like um, Antonio Brown. You know, always had that body control. Martavis Bryant had the size and a little bit of that control, but, you know, this is like Martavis Bryant on steroids. Uh, and it's just incredible to watch. Well, don't you start getting ideas in Martavis Bryant's head. He might try to mount a comeback. Uh, he already uh, said he was going to try make a comeback this year, and uh, we haven't heard his name in many a month, so that should tell you exactly how well that's going. Yeah, a bad reaction to have when someone says your name was a football player is for that person to go, oh, yeah. Um, oh. That's where you did play football. Holy shit. <laughs> Packers are getting fucked by the Buccaneers. Which is wild to see. Oh, my God. Wow. Sorry. I'm just looking at scores to see how else, how the rest of the league is doing today. Um, So, actually, before we, we get farther into, as we edge closer towards talking about the Jets, we discussed last week on the podcast which of the losing teams um, between the Falcons and the Giants and the Jets would get their first win, and we both mutually agreed that it was by far going to be the Jets to be the last team to get a win. And hey, would you look at that? The Giants won today, and the Falcons won today. <laughs> so 
And the Jets still poised to lose shows that, um, well, one, we were right in a very easy way. And two, uh, sometimes life is just hilarious. I mean, if that's the way you want to word that, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the game's not over yet, Josh. I don't know why you're holding out, um, you know, or not holding out any hope that your Jets will be able to make a comeback this week. Yeah, we only have a eight and a half minutes to score at least 24 points. And I'm sure that with offensive guru Adam Gase, it's, all things are possible. Um, yeah. Well, holding you my credit Joe Flacco like that. Uh, he might have an iron dick, but apparently he has a noodle arm. That, so that man had such a great playoff series that one year. How could you? Uh, yeah, remember 2012, man? That shit was awesome, bro. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going great. Unbelievable. The one thing, actually, that is comforting about having Joe Flacco there is that it's not Luke Falk. So Adam Gase can't go to ownership and be like, come on, like, you didn't really expect me to win with Luke Falk, did you? Like, this guy that was, I don't even know if Luke Falk was drafted. Um, I'm going to assume he was, but not, never started an NFL game and had to get thrown in there because of an injury. No, it's Joe Flacco. He's been around for a while. We see older QBs be effective all over the place, especially when they have intermittent starts like Nick Foles. Um, it, it, you can't use Joe Flacco as an excuse for why you're losing games. Right. In the way you could have used Luke Falk anyway. Uh, yeah, I definitely would agree that, you know, <laughs> Joe Flacco is a shell of the shell of his former self. Um, that being said, there's no way you could look at this and be like, well, if it was different situation-wise, Adam Gase would be dominating. There's no way in hell that could ever be assumed. Of course, oh, of course not. But let's not let's remember that the Jets are an irrational organization. So, real quick, um, because God damn it, if it's not hilarious, the fact that the NFC East is still by far the worst division in football. Um, now that the Giants have collected their first win, the uh, Reds, you know, the Washington football team lost, the Eagles lost, uh, Cowboys play tomorrow, but as it stands right now, um, the Eagles are 1-4-1, and one, and then Jets, sorry, Giants, damn it, Josh and team names right now, the Giants and Washington are both tied at 1-5, and five, and if the Cowboys lose tomorrow, which is likely, they will be at two and four and between this entire division assuming the cowboys lose again tomorrow which again wouldn't be weird they would have a combined five wins that's just fucking disgusting truly six gross. weeks into the season Ugh. like dallas that's the crazy part about the fact that, that Dallas is likely to lose tomorrow is that they are likely to lose tomorrow and they'll still be on top of their division when they do it at yeah. two and four. Like oh, if I they if they win, they will have triple the wins of anybody else in their division. I just I don't get how you can exist in that kind of like how is it like coincidence wise that all four of those teams you know, granted, I know the Cowboys don't have Dak anymore, but even so, this is his first game without him. So you can't really argue that it's anything to do with that injury. It's the defense. The Giants, I mean, granted, they've been bad for several years, but 
they have a you know top six pick at quarterback. You know, new coach that came in. They should be on the up and up, and they just look completely lost. Um, and granted, I know Washington is in a similar situation with a top fifteen pick. Uh, brand new coach this year who had gone to a Super Bowl previously, and you know, by all means, Riverboat Ron is a great coach. You expect them to be on the up and up as well. But man, I just don't. I just don't get it, man. Whatever the opposite of firing all, on all cylinders, that's what the NFC East is. Um, they are the exact opposite of firing on all cylinders. Um, there is not a single team. Ooh, okay, hold on. What is more surprising to you? The fact that there is not a single team with a positive point differential in the NFC East. Actually, that's not even surprising. Um, but anyway, that or the fact that the Bills also have a negative point differential. Wow. Um, and that's before playing the Chiefs tomorrow. That's not good. That's really, like, not good. So, as it stands... Oh, that's so funny. So, not only by the time Pro Football Reference gets updated tomorrow, will the uh, will Washington and the Giants be tied at 1-5. and five. Sorry, one, yeah, 1-5. One um, they'll also be tied in, in uh, point differential at negative uh, 52. Um, actually, no, the Giants will be slightly better. Sorry, I went the wrong way. The Giants will be at negative 51. The Washington will be at negative 54. Um, the Eagles right now are sitting at negative 32, uh, minus another two points because they just lost again today. So it's going to be negative 34. And Dallas is sitting at negative 17. Ain't that some shit? Yeah, for real. Wow. Goddamn. Um, yeah. I will say, uh, I think if we just want to accept that because this is essentially a lost season, uh, if we just want to kick out these entire divisions, these you know entire groups of teams and just forget they exist, let them go off and disappear into the wilderness or wherever you know these kind of teams go when we forget about them, uh, I, I'm okay with it. I really am. It's just amazing that the NFC West is probably going to send three teams um, or is at least going to send two. You'd expect, I can't still can't believe the bears are sitting at four and one. Um, you'd expect like one of the NFC North or NFC South. Like there's going to be a team somewhere in the mix come the playoff uh, playoff final playoff push in the last quarter of the season. That's going to be looking at the like five and 10 five and, and nine Cowboys going like, they're going to go to the playoffs <laughs> and we're not. And we are currently like 10 and three. And that's, that's going to happen. Like, yeah. like the, the what, whatever the Cowboys end up being by the end of the season are going to make the seven and nine Seahawks that made the playoffs a bunch of years ago. Look like, look like the goddamn 16 and 0 Pats. Like it, it's going to be so bad. And I fucking can't wait. Yeah, oh, I'm thrilled. Um, as it is not my team, I'm thrilled. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about let's talk about the the J E T S. I want to die. Um, so I took a took a gander at the last the twenty gander. years. I took I, I I stole a gander um, from the gander store, and. Uh, at the last 20 years of offensive stats, and I was wondering where the Jets look 
in terms of the league average position of these stats over time. So, I because I wanted to know, are the Jets so bad that they would have never been a good offense? Or has offense changed so much over the years that maybe the Jets would actually, like, fit in kind of a little bit somewhere here? You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. Yeah, they don't, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> they're really bad. Like, they're so bad. So, let's start and let's do a little retrospective from 2000 to 2019. I didn't put 2020 in here just because it's like five weeks into the season. Like, this is not enough. Um, so, in the year 2000, ooh, in the way, way back machine, um, your average team per game stats were uh points and this is for offense so points for 20 20.7 per game 319.4 yards per game you ran you'd run 63 plays you get 5.1 yards per play you get 1.9 touchdowns per game you would fumble the ball 0.8 times per game you get 18.4 first downs 19.1 completions on 32.9 attempts 206.9 passing yards, 1.3 passing touchdowns per game, 1.1 interceptions per game, 5.8 net yards per attempt, uh, 10.7 passing first downs, 27.6 rushing attempts for 112.6 rushing yards, 0.8 rushing touchdowns, 4.1 yards per attempt, uh, 6.1 rushing first downs. 6.3 penalties per game, 52.7 penalty yards per game, um, 1.6, what's that? Oh, first downs by penalty. Jeez, who gives a fuck? Um, you would score 30.2% of the time, and you would turn the ball over 14.7% of the time. So, um, anything you know stick out of that is really just useless when even we look at it and say, who cares? Yeah, oh, it is, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's so much of that in football, where it's like, I get we have to keep track of something, but is this what we're keeping track of? Um, so in 2019, because again, I, this year is still underway, and it's, you know, it is what it is. It can be funky, so just going That's with the last full funky. season. Okay, sorry. Uh, points for 22, sorry, yeah, that's right, 22.8, so that's up by two points. Um, yards, 347.9 yards per game. That's up by over almost 30 yards per game. Um, plays per game, 63.5. That is a half a play more, so not a lot, um, which is good for 5.5 yards per play, which is about 0.4 more yards per play, which is over the course of a bunch of plays. Significant. Um, you get 1.4 turnovers per game as compared to 1.9, so turnovers are down. Fumbles lost 0.6 as compared to 0.8, so fumbles are down. First downs in 2019, 20.3. That is up from, from 20 years ago. Completions, 22.1. That's more. Uh, attempts, 34.9. That's more. Uh, touchdowns, 1.6 per game. That is also up. Interceptions, 0.8 per game. That is also up. So basically, in twenty in the year 2000, touchdowns to interceptions was basically one-to-one. -one. It was 1.3 per game to 1.1 per game. 
And now in 2019, it's basically two to one. It, well, it's literally two to one, 1. 1.6 to 0. 0.8. Um, huge, yeah. huge difference there in just efficiency. Um, net yards per attempt, 6.3. That is up. Um, first downs, 12.1. Passing first downs, 12.1. Who gives a shit? It's up. Um, rushing attempts, 26.1 per game in 2019 versus 27.6. That's down. Uh, 112. 0.9 rushing yards per game versus 112.6 in 20 in the year 2000. So even so, despite the fact rushing attempts are down, rushing yards are marginally up. Um, 0.9 rushing touchdowns, which is also higher. 4.3 yards per rushing attempt, which is higher, and 6.1 rushing first downs per game, which is the same. Um, we get 6.7 uh, more penalties, 6.7 penalties per game, which is higher. Um, 57.2 penalty yards per game, which is a little bit lower. 2.1 oh, first downs by penalty. Who gives a shit? That is actually a lot higher, though. Um, maybe we're getting better at hard counts. Maybe our quarterbacks are just better than they were 20 years ago. Who knows? Um, scoring percent, 36%. That is a good six points higher than it was in, two, in the year 2000. And turnover percent, 11.4. Sorry, 11.8, which is a good three points lower than it was in the year 2000 so just overall efficiency wise so so good so you with me so far uh yeah i'm with you all right so now let's look at the 2020 jets and see how they're doing with these stats um because i'm not sure if you could have guessed this core one it's not good it's not great it's just simply not good um in fact, it's bad. So let's do a little sorty sort. All right. So the Jets this year, uh, points per game, 15. Ooh. Yep. That's where we're at. 15. Um, 279.4 yards per play. They're running an average of 62.6 yards per play, which is apparently average. And that just doesn't seem right at all. That sh definitely feels like it should be lower. Um. Yards per play, 4.5. Turnovers per game, 1. Fumbles lost per game, 1. First downs per game, 17.2. Completions, 20.4. Attempts, 34.6. Uh, passing yards, 176 per game. Um, touchdowns, passing touchdowns, 0 0.8 per game. Interceptions, 0 0.8 per game. Uh, net yards per pass attempt, 4.7. First downs by pass, 8.8. .8. Um, these are all per game. 25 rushing attempts per game for 103.4 average yards, 0 0.4 rushing touchdowns per game, yards per attempt of 4.1, uh, first downs by the rush, 8. Uh, 7.6 penalties per game, good for 73 yards per game, um, and 2.4 uh, first downs by penalty. They score 27.8 uh percent of the time and turn the ball over 9.3 percent of the time though boy how does that seem worse so going against league average the jets are doing the worst out of all the league averages in the last 20 years but like it's it's so bad they don't they're, they're at the bottom of the barrel of so and i know that this is league average but i was really wondering like you know maybe this is just Maybe we'd see a little bit of 
this decreased efficiency we're seeing at some earlier point. And maybe if I went farther back, we would, but we don't. The first time the Jets aren't the absolute worst, the worst by points for on my spreadsheet, the worst by yards per game. They're fifth by plays per game, fifth worst. Um, Against league average, they're second worst in yards per play against league average. Um, they're worst in in turnovers per game. They're worst in fumble. Oh, they're not worst in fumbles per game, actually. Oh, no, they are. Never mind. Never mind. I was wrong. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Oh, it hurts. It hurts so much. They're worst in first downs per game. All right, so the first time they find themselves... Oh, they, they're still in the top 10. Um, I guess they're tied for 10th. So this is the farthest down that they that they are that they are away from being the absolute worst so far is completions. Oh, just the, that? There is not a single year worse than them from after the year 2010. Oh. So in fact, there's some years before 2010 that are still there are more com- the Jets are tied in terms of completions this season with 2007, 11, and... Oh, and that's it. Sorry. And every other year in the 2010s was slightly worse than them. And that's it. Naturally. Um, So bad. How much of this can you personally attest to Adam Gase? And how much do you think is just something that you're stuck with for un, for the foreseeable future until you can actually start to rebuild this team. Well, so and that's what I what I was ultimately going to drive at with this is it's one thing if we said this was a coaching style that is just outdated. You know, because if we mm-hmm. could look at this and say, "Oh yeah, the Jets are doing this in this column and this in this column and this in this column." So, cuz my original idea was was like, "Hey, what year would this style of play best fit in in the last 20 years? Because if we are saying, if Adam Gase is living up to the way he wants to coach this team, which obviously he isn't, but even if he was to some small degree, maybe you'd say like, oh, well, you know what? This this team makes more sense in 2011, um, which might have been more around when Adam Gase was like really getting into like coaching and he just never learned to adjust. But that's not the case. They're just bad. Like, and I wanted to give a, like a little bit of 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 leeway, possible oh. leeway. Yeah, um, just out of you know a statistical indifference. Um, I didn't want to represent bias on the outset of this investigation, but man, like it's they're really like, and I didn't do this team by team over the last twenty years because I didn't I didn't feel like do looking at three hundred and twenty individual cells or uh, rows. That's uh, that's uh, that was just too much for my Sunday, um, but boy howdy, I might have to. Um, well, actually, that brings up like the next thing that I I I did do um, that we talked a little bit about before we got on is it maybe it really made me think how do the Jets stack up against the other? Not that the Jets are going zero and sixteen for sure, but oh boy, do they want to um, based on how they're playing. So how do they stack up against the other two 0-16 teams that we've had? And the answer is much, much worse. 
the answer is much, much worse. Mm -hmm. So right now, the Jets 2020 schedule. Okay, so we're only going to go mostly by these teams um, first. Ah, we can do six games since we have the score of the of the Dolphins Jets game right now. So the Jets have lost their first six games by scores of 17 to 27. That's two scores. 13 to 31. That's at least two scores. Right. It might be. No, it's more. It's three scores, Um, which is still at least two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then they lost to the Colts, seven to thirty-six. Uh, that's more scores than I feel like even having to try to try, try to tabulate. Um, then they lost to the Broncos, twenty to thirty-seven. That is nine points. So that's two scores. And they lost to the Cardinals, ten to thirty. That's three scores. And they lost to the Dolphins just moments ago, twenty-four to nothing. And that is three scores if you got all the two-point conversions so it they they're not even there wasn't a one score game in there which just statistically speaking is is crazy like you see it in every sport where like you know you you one point one score games they always say can can have a tendency of going either way. They're a bad indicator of whether or not a team is truly good. It's happened with the Mariners in baseball a while ago. They kept winning one score, one run games, but one run games are really tough because they can go either way. And you, it, it, that holds throughout most sports. If you lose by one score, then it shows that you were relatively similarly competitive for some portion of the game. And it just didn't swing out. You know, you missed out on an opportunity somewhere that ended up being critical and the whole game can be broken down based on that, but you played pretty evenly throughout the rest of it. Uh, they're not even there. They're not even there. Not a single one-score game. So, let's look at the, the 08 Lions for comparison to start. Oh, my favorite team. Of course. Week one, they lost to the Falcons 21-34. to That's a two-score game. That hurts. You know, that, that you know, but it's it's week one. You haven't lost hope yet. Uh, week two, they lost to the Packers, twenty-five to forty-eight. That's very bad. That one hurts a lot, especially because it's the Packers. <laughs> week three, you lose to the Niners, thirty-one, thirteen to thirty-one. That sucks. But hey, week four is your bye. We'll figure it out after the bye week. No, they didn't. Um, they lost to the Bears, seven to thirty-four. That's really bad too. Now. That's their first five games of the season, or their first five weeks of the season, and counting one bye week. There are no one-score losses. That does not hold up, though. As we look at the next handful of games, they lose to the Vikings 10-12. to That's one score. The Texans 21-28. That's one score. The Redskins, or now the Washington football team, 17-25. One score. And then the Bears again, 23-27. That's one score before starting to lose a handful more games of two by two or more scores, and then they start going back to a few one-score losses later on in the season. But regardless, they're there. They are competitive in that Minnesota Vikings game, no matter what. Losing by one field goal, the game might not have been played well. For all we know, both teams really just went out there and sucked it up. But, oh, wow, they actually got totally well, we know inflated. one team at least went out there and sucked it up. Um, yeah, so the, the, the Lions had 212 total yards of offense, and their defense allowed, which means the Vikings had, 
392 yards of total offense. Um, so they got they got they got pretty well outplayed. Uh, and although their defense had three turnovers, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, that doesn't matter. It's uh, you're you're in those games, you know, like from from week six to to week uh, week nine, you you are in all those games, man. They just didn't break your way, and. There are but, points where you have hope, essentially. Oh, absolutely. And you're playing well enough that you you can you can talk yourself out of why you're losing some of these games. So I'll leave the rest of the 2008 Detroit Lions season at the garbage where it belongs, and we'll go over to the 2017 Cleveland Browns, our second 0-16 season, uh, which I constantly forget came off the back of a 1-15 season. Um, constantly forget that. Anyway. So week one, Browns lose to the Steelers 18-21. to That, right off the bat, is a one-score game. You do not feel awful about that loss. Um, then they lose to the Ravens 10-24. to It's a two-score game. That kind of sucks. Lose to the Colts 28-31. to You've got to feel okay about that game, even though you Absolutely. lost it. You know, you scored 28 points. That's like, you know, that's a game where you go, the offense had it, defense didn't have it, but, you know, one field goal, we can get that shit back later on. They even out, um, out yarded the, the Colts by, by 11 yards. So there, there's, there's highlights from that game. Then they lose <laughs> to the Bengals 7 to 31. That's no good. Uh, week five, they lose to the Jets, which is a funny concept right now, um, 14 to 17. I remember that game. We that was that was a fun game because um, we almost lost it, and it was going to be a very jetsy loss. And then week six, they lose to the Texans, seventeen to thirty-three, which is not a one-score game. Uh, no. But even then, within the first six weeks, you got one, two, three one-score games that you lost, which is pretty even-handed. So there are three games you are firmly in, and three games where you kind of got fucked. But you can, but even honestly, look at the, game, the games they lost. Like they lost that Ravens game. They they got fifty more total yards of offense than the Ravens did in that game. They had they oh they turned over the ball five times. That's how they lost. Jesus, like, but still, like there's there's reasons to root in those games. You're not totally out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings us to the 2020 Jets. They lost to the Bills seventeen and twenty seven. 13 to 31 to the Niners, 736 to the Colts, 2837 to the Broncos, 1030 to the Cardinals, and 024 on the Dolphins. It's so bad. It's you could combine some of these scores and still not win games. You could take all the points from the Jets' first two games and still lose to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, yeah, unfortunately that is true. So something that I remembered and I just looked up the 2019 Miami Dolphins through week five, they played four games over that time, lost in order to the Baltimore Ravens, 59 to 10 to the New England Patriots, 43, nothing. To the Dallas Cowboys, thirty-one to six, until the Los Angeles Chargers, thirty to ten. So through four games, they lost by an insurmountable margin every single week. Comical amount, yes. 
and yet finish the season five and eleven. Yeah, with, I'm I'm pretty sure the first win came against the Jets, right? It was in week nine, 26 18. They won the following week against the Colts 16 to 12. They beat the Eagles of all teams 37 31. And then they beat the Cincinnati Bengals in overtime 38 35. In other the Bengals games that year, who also got their first win of the season against the Jets when they were 0 11, I believe. Ooh. Yeah. But I will say, in the following their bye week, week four, they lost by one point to the Redskins, by 10 points to the Bills, 13 to the Steelers. Uh, they lost by 17 to the Bills, uh, a lot to the Browns. I just don't want to do the math. It's 11, 17 to the Browns. Uh, they lost by one to the Jets. They lost by 16 to the Giants, and they lost by three. Actually, no, they beat the Patriots in Week 17. My goodness. I missed that part by three points, 27-24. So they had a lot of close games to close out the end of the year, despite starting the year. So I don't know how else to put it, but horrifically, um, I just don't see the Jets making that kind of transition. No. I, I don't. I think you're completely right. And I think one of the main reasons is at that point in time, that Dolphins team was very in flux in terms of roster. There was a lot changing in that roster. This right. Jets and team. I believe a rookie head coach as well. I believe you're correct. Um, this Jets team is, technically speaking, probably built to be a contender, sadly, based on um, how far along we are in the rebuild and whatnot. We have a we have a you know quote unquote franchise quarterback. We had a head coach that was supposed to help push us over the edge. We had a big draft. In theory, I would think in in Jets ownership's mind, this team was supposed to be a contender, and this is how they're performing. Worse than that, very. Where are we in terms of our team construction? Dolphins team from a couple of years ago. And there's no, there's there's no changing this. This is what they are. It'll change at some point. It will. Hopefully, it's the Trevor Lawrence experience and things pick up. It's just, it won't happen with Adam Gase there. And we've said it for what feels like three straight weeks. Might even be four at this point. Jeez. Yeah, for real. It, it just it needs to happen sooner well, rather my, than later, obviously. But my goodness, and the, the the reason in my mind this keeps coming up is just how incredulous I maintain about how bad this team is. Because like when when we lost to the Bills at the start of last season, you went all right. You know we were leading that whole game, and then. Um, uh, who was our starting linebacker that got hurt? Um, the guy from the Ravens. Um, um, you know who I'm talking about? Not off the top of my head. Son of a bitch. We, we gave Ray him a Lewis. bunch. Huh? No, not Ray Lewis. Oh, uh, oh, oh. Um, shit. Yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, CJ right something? 
Yeah, fuck. Oh, God, how do I not know this? Right, me too. I'm kicking myself. What, right God, we are both bad Ryan Shazier, right after. Uh, CJ, uh, such with an M. Fuck Son me. of a bitch. I have to look it up. I, this is going to hurt me. This is, yeah, it's killing me right now. CJ Mosley. Holy oh, shit. Jesus Christ. Oh, that CJ was Mosley. painful. Yeah, that hurt. That hurt my ego and my head. Um, yeah, so we lost CJ Mosley mid game, and it was like, all right, you know, like you, you, we, you get over this loss. The team performed well, yada, 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 yada. And then um, Sam Darnold got mono, and he was gone for a few weeks, and he had the Luke Falk experience, and that was tragically bad. But you're like, ah, oh, you know, it's this kid, Luke Falk, who even is Luke Falk. No one cares about Luke Falk. Um, <laughs> What those two things should have taught us, though, is that, hey, this guy, Gase, he can't game plan because none, none of the adversity, every team's going to face adversity. Mm-hmm. Granted, you know, injuries will be bigger or smaller. Your schedule will be weaker or harder. But at some point in a season, your players are that some of your good players will get hurt and not play. At some point, you're going to have to play a team that is reasonably speaking, much better than you are. Those are facts. Those Unless are absolute. Nope. It's, those are facts. <laughs> at some point, your favorite Steeler is getting hurt. Um, and at some point, the Steelers are going to have to play a team that is, for whatever reason, just on fire that, that, that stretch of time better than them or whatever. Um, it, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of whether or not you overcome that slight amount of adversity via usually coaching, uh, but some player having a breakout game, whatever. And we didn't even, like, man, look at all the players Bill Belichick has made look great. And obviously it's Bill Belichick. Obviously, obviously it's not the same. But he made Brian Hoyer look good for a while there. We, we could have we done better. And we're never going to adjust. There's no adjust. He couldn't adjust around, around Joe Flacco. I mean, Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco. I know, and I know we're going to joke about it because it's it's Joe Flacco. <laughs> um, at the at the height of of his Joe Flacco ness, the most googled question in Maryland was, "Is Joe Flacco elite?" Which sums up his career pretty nicely. Um, the answer is no. The answer is no. But obviously, Joe Flacco has a strength somewhere in there. Joe Flacco has something he must be good at, and he scored zero points today. Against the Miami Dolphins, they're not a bad team. They have a they have an even record right now. They're not they're not awful. They're not they're not blanking your offense good though. It's it's pathetic. It's just fucking pathetic. Yeah, I genuinely think I could I could coach this team better than Adam Gase at this point in time. Most people could. Give me. I feel like at least most people would be a big enough change of pace for the players to actually, honestly, if you just let them go do their own thing, I think they would be performing better. Well, that and I think any, almost any casual enough or serious enough football fan would be an improvement because you would also walk in there going like, hey, I might not have my X's and O's all the way down, so uh, why don't you guys handle the play calling? Something Adam Gase insists upon doing, even though the, the season is going horribly. Um, and then I would bet right off the jump, we would be doing much better. 
but hey. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Let's get somebody in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's sign a change.org petition. Corwin? Hello? Hey, you cut out. You're back now, though. Um, Okay. What were you saying? Uh, I was saying, uh, who would be the funniest interim coach to replace him with? Like in football or in society? Uh, how about both? A little bit of both. All right. All right. In football, Jeff Fisher. <laughs> in society, Larry David. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> that is phenomenal. I'm proud of this answer. Oh, man. I want Larry David to be, you know, coaching the fucking New York Jets. I know, right? Just because just because he's already such a flustered man as it is. Exactly. Oh, yeah. He would be so out of his comfort zone, and that's peak Larry David. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I need him to be his aggressive, goofy self all over the place. I'm telling you, man, if anything, morale would be high. Oh, yeah. I feel like not all the players would truly appreciate Larry David and, like, find him funny. Um, but man, the ones that do would be, would be dying for that man on the field. That's where he thrives. Don't you dare doubt Larry David. (laughs) He'd perform well, just purely out of spite. The sad thing is, and Larry David is a big Jets fan. I think he would actually do a better job than Adam Gase right now. Sure. Why not? Give me Larry David. Let's need it. Let Gary V buy the Jets and pull a a reverse Jerry Jones, alternate Jerry Jones, and instead of being the GM, just becomes the head coach. Yeah, that uh, that works for me. All right, hold on real quick. I saw something startling I have to share with you. I must share with sure. you. I love okay. startling stuff. Um, adjusted net yards per passing per pass attempt. Okay, this is a pro football reference calculation. Passing yards minus sack yards plus uh, 20 points times passing touchdowns minus 45 points times interceptions divided by pass attempts plus times sacked. So really just like what the quarterback is doing and with some weights thrown in there. In the year 2000, the, low, the worst team, so league average for this, for this statistic was 5.2. The worst team, the Cincinnati Bengals. You know what their adjusted net yards per pass attempt was? I do not. 2.8. Get the fuck out of here. 2.8. Get the fuck out of here. Two Last po- year? No, no, to, to, the year 2000. Oh, okay. Holy shit. The Rams that year. Holy shit, because like, wow, I thought it was that awful last year. It doesn't matter if it's the year 2000. It's not better. The Rams that year, 7.8. That's five adjusted net yards per attempt. Five more yards than the the Bengals. Wow. That's disgusting. Hey, hey, 2,000 Bengals. Fuck you. you. Uh, you know who is the worst in that category this season? I do not. I want you to take a guess. The worst in uh, the Jets. I don't know why I had to think about so it. So the Jets, the Jets are second worst. No, the worst. 
Who's who is worse this year? Uh the Redskins? It's not Washington. They're fourth, so you know, we're all there. Who's got a shittier quarterback? I don't think it would be the Giants because Danny Jones Giants are does, third. does throw deep now and again. Ooh. Um I don't know. It's the team with I'm looking yeah, the most interceptions by far. The most interceptions by far. Yeah. How do I not know that off the top of my head? Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Whoa. Carson Wentz. Wow. So the Jets are second worst at 4.1 adjusted net yards per attempt. The Eagles are the worst at 3.7. That's, that's really bad. Yeah, well, you get dinged for getting sacked and throwing interceptions, and the Eagles have nine interceptions and 19 sacks. Oh, my God. So it's crazy because if you look at the some more normal stats, uh, Eagles versus Jets, the Eagles are coming out way ahead. Like, even though this is the case, I think I'd still rather have the – not even I think. I would much rather have the Eagles um, because um, – Completion percent, the Eagles are at 60.2. The Jets are at 59. Yards, the Eagles are at uh, 1,072. The Jets are at 880. Eagles have six touchdowns. The Jets have four. Eagles have nine interceptions. The Jets have four. Um, Yards per attempt, Eagles 6.2. Jets 5.8. Adjusted yards per attempt, though, 4.7 for the Eagles to the Jets 5.2. But fuck it. I mean, yards... Their actuals is just so much better. Like, I'll... Even though... Their efficiency is so much worse. Mm-hmm. At least, like, at least things are happening, you know. Like, That's think about it this way. Think about this. This is this is it's fucking nuts. Think about it this way: the Eagles have a worse adjusted net yards per attempt than the Jets by about half a yard. So they're really not efficient with the ball. So the Jets are actually more efficient, kind of, than the Eagles in the passing game. The Eagles have negative 12 expected points from passing. The Jets have negative 33. Uh, Whoa. Whoa. So even though, even though the Eagles are being horribly inefficient with the football, the Jets are just so bad that they're not even accumulating the sheer amount of things, touchdowns, yards, all that shit that you would need to overcome the fact that they're technically more efficient, I guess, than the Eagles. And that's how bad we are. I am sorry. I am. It's just it's just startling. <laughs> I'm very startled. Wow, we're so bad. It's crazy, man. What? I I don't know how it gets better. Okay, so now. Oh. Okay. Oh, because it's it's it's, it's accumulative. All right. So the Bengals, the, um, in two in the year two thousand, um, had the worst expected points total from passing offense in the league. We're not surprised. Um, would you like to guess what it was over the course of a full season? Sure. 
Go ahead. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want to guess. Tell me. <laughs> I changed my mind. Uh, it was negative 181. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It was negative it 181 for a full season. What's crazy? That- what's crazy is that there are there are um, nine teams with negative 100 or or less. The Jets just barely not being a part of them at negative 99.92. That's demoralizing. Yeah, that's yucky. That's just like, wow, I think we need to like at some point talk about the 2000 Cincinnati Bengals because this is crazy. So on a per game basis, that's negative 11 expected points per game. And as it stands in in pro football reference, they don't count today's game yet because they haven't tabulated all the figures. But the Jets passing offense accounts so far for negative 33.64 expected points per game. And negative 33 divided by five games is negative 6.6, which means that the the Bengals passing offense was almost twice as bad as the Jets this season. And I can't wrap my head around that. I'm glad I, I wasn't around to watch. I what do you think the record was? Uh, one in 15. Four and 12. Damn, who was the QB? Um, the coach, they had two coaches. Bruce Coslett went 0 and 3, and then Dick LeBeau went 4 and 9. Their quarterback. Ooh. Dick so they, Lowe, they, they had two quarterbacks. Akili Smith played in 12 games, and Scott Mitchell played in eight. How did Akili Smith do? Uh, um, what do you want to hear? <laughs> None of it's good. <laughs> oh, never mind. Save me from... Uh, uh, I'll go with quarterback. Point. I'll go with a, a quarterback rating just because that's easy. Akili Smith had a 52.8. Um, Scott Mitchell had a 50.8. Okay. All right. Man, I don't know any of these names. Their, their, their main receiver was Corey Dillon. Who's that? Uh, it's a name I recognize, but I do not recognize it. Their number two wideout was Brandon Bennett. I'm going to look up Corey Dillon. Who are you people? Who are you people? Uh, Corey Dillon is a four-time Pro Bowler. One-time Super Bowl champ. Uh, How? He was a running back, which should tell you a lot. You're telling me their leading receiver was Corey Dillon? Um, He was was listed first. Let me go double-check myself. Um, Oh, no, he wasn't. Sorry. He was their leading rusher? He he was their leading rusher. They have okay. it, it's even though rushing comes, a uh, rushing does come first. Total yards comes last. All right, I'm a big idiot. Their leading their, receiver was Pat Peter Warwick, who had under 600 yards. Yes, holy shit. Yes, it's very bad. This is the worst team I've ever seen. How did they go four and twelve? Who did they beat? They had back-to-back wins against the Broncos ugh, and the Browns. Of course, the Browns are here. And they also beat the Cardinals and the Jaguars. Wow, those are the four 
teams you would expect them to beat. I'm actually surprised one of them isn't the Jets. Um, wow. Anyway, uh, one other fun Jesus fact about Christ. this team that I would like to – oh, no, there's a few. Fun names from the 2000 Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they had a wide receiver who was a, a, a kick returner by the name of Craig Yeast. That's not. That's an unfortunate name. Craig Yeast. Um, they had a a kicker named Daniel Pope. Um, he was accompanied by fellow kicker Neil Rackers, um, and at right linebacker Takeo Spikes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, there's some great names on the 2000 Bengals, but unfortunately, they were no good passers. Um, Have you ever seen a picture of Takeo Spikes? Um, I I honestly cannot even imagine what the proper way to pronounce his name is if it's not that. But uh, have you ever seen a picture of his neck? I'm looking at it right now, and it is literally thicker than his head. That oh my correct. god! What the fuck am I looking at? This you know, is un- this. Don't I have care. I have to close this tab. It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't want to look at that anymore. Um, I'm gonna have nightmares about that shit. I I was not. uh, uh, I'm gonna have to do a deep scrub of 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 the the mind today. Anyway, oh man, I'm gonna. We had to look into that team though because that's just too fascinating to 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 let slide. That might have to be next week's discussion to to help us avoid talking about the Jets. I'm gonna try to find the worst team by expected points of all time and talk about it. I'm writing that down. I'm glad you're hopping on board so that I don't have to do a whole lot of work. Oh, sure thing, buddy. I don't want you to, to have to worry your little head about anything. Uh, that's why I love working with you. Um, any other football topics that you can think of before we jump over to baseball? Um, nothing pressing. All right. Well, then let's hop on over to baseball. Um. So as it stands right now, as I said at the top of the show, the NLD NLCS is still underway. Game seven is tonight, and Corwin and I ain't staying up until God knows how long uh, to watch it and then record because we have jobs and it's Sunday night. Um, so we're gonna talk about the Rays in respect to playing either of the two teams in the AL NLCS right now, um, just for sake of ease. So the Rays ended up beating the Astros in seven games, which was so funny because every time the Rays lost a game and stretched this out farther, I kept thinking about the last time we had talked about this, where the Rays were up either 3-0 or 3-1, and we were talking about how, and I was giving the Astros shit for making this not even competitive. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they stretched it to seven games after being down 3-0. So what did you think about this series overall? Uh, I love the fact that they are the Astros are the first team to force a game seven after being down three zero in a series and losing. Yeah, well, they're the only only the second team to do it. Um, force that game seven, and I'm yeah, glad. That make it sound nearly as exciting as you know they're well, the first team ever. What makes me happy about it is that their fans got to feel a lot of pain early on because they went down 3-0. And then they got their hopes raised and then just crushed at the end. And I I really hope everybody who still supports that team 
had a terrible week. I really, really hope, and knowing the fact that they are, in fact, Astros fans, uh, I, I feel confident in believing that they talked mad fucking shit after starting that comeback and once they brought it to Game 7, only to get absolutely beat down by their co-workers, you know, Monday morning when, or Friday, I guess, uh, when they got knocked out. Oh, for sure. Um and if you're an Astros fan, you basically have to root for the Braves now, right? Um, I guess so, yeah. Because you don't want to root for the Rays because they just beat you. Uh, and you don't want to have to root for the Dodgers because you guys have a long-standing feud. So that really just leaves the Braves. So, well, I, uh, I guess that's something. Um, anyway... Key key performers from the ALCS series. Let's do that. Let's look at our good friend win probability added. You know who the lead... Oh, wow. That is not who I was expecting. You know who the lead win probability added person was for the ALCS for the Rays? Uh, yeah, that really young guy who hit like 350 with a bunch of home runs. That I don't know how to pronounce his name. Randy Orozarena? That would be the one. No. No. Okay. How nuts is that? Uh, so, I guess that they just couldn't pronounce his name either and just decided, eh, fuck it. He doesn't get the, the most added. I'm just so startled by this. Um, I'm, I'm confused, Corwin. I'm very confused because Randy Orozarena has the second most win probability added, but he has the most championship win probability added. and. I don't know why those numbers would be so disparate. Um, but by win probability added, Randy Orozarena added 0.32 wins. Um, G-Man Choi added 0.42 wins. Honestly, Here, that, that doesn't upset me. No, it doesn't upset me either. I think maybe because G-Man Choi did it in fewer games. G-Man Choi only played in five games to Orozarena's seven. Um, but their their stat lines, um, Randy Arasarena, I love saying that last name so much. Um, 321, 367. So what's funny is I look at it and I and I can't say it in my head, but once I actually say it out loud, I can do it. Like I'm looking at it right now and trying to sound it out mentally and I can't do it. But once I like get mm-hmm. through the ah, uh, I, I, I once I start actually saying it, I can I could get it out. I don't understand. It's the first name out of all the wacky names we've encountered that that has been the case for me. I'm usually like, I can't say it on paper and I cannot say it out loud or I can just do it. So this one's weird. And, sure. and um, So Arazarania, 321, 367, 764, good for a 1152 OPS. Uh, and the G-Man Choi, 385, 529, 615, Good for an eleven forty-five OPS. How? Oh, because of the slugging difference, I guess. Man, those numbers don't seem like they should add up the the way they add up. But anyway, uh, yeah, man, those those two dudes. God damn, that's some fucking hitting right there. Uh, um, yeah, I'm excited to see them in the World Series because I actually will be able to watch that consistently. Um. But yeah, you know, it's as long as the Dodgers lose, it's all that matters. 
Uh, also, shout outs to Joey Wendell for being the worst guy on the team by win probability added. Negative yeah, 0.28. Cool. Fuck you, Joey Wendell. Um, for the Astros, our lead win probability added guy was some dick named Carlos Correa. Um, with 0.4, followed by Josie Altuve with 39, uh, 0.39. Um, the worst, wow, wow, the worst player on the Astros in the ALCS was Alex Bregman, zero, negative 0.81. Good, fuck that guy. Joey Wendell, negative 0.28 was the worst guy on the Rays, and negative 0.28 wouldn't have him, he'd be fifth in the bottom five of their, sorry, he'd be third in the bottom five of players. Um, with Yuli Gurriel posting a negative 0.49, that racist. Um, and then Alex Bregman tripling Joey Wendell's terribleness. Um, which, wow, is that saying something? That, um, that makes me happy. Yeah, right? Uh, Charlie Morton was the main win probability added getter for the Rays uh, and pitching with 0.46, which makes him the main win probability added collector on the Rays. Uh, the worst was Tyler Glass now, also a surprise, at negative 0.2. Um, main win probability added for pitchers uh, on the Astros was Ryan Presley as a surprise for 0.35. And the worst was Enoli Paredes. Pa- Paredes. See, look, that was one I couldn't get, and I didn't get it in real life. Um, negative 0.33. Um, so there is that. Um, and the Rays are going to advance. So because Charlie Morton pitched to, uh, yesterday and um, we saw Blake Snell the game before that, I would expect... Oh. Either... Either... I guess Ryan Yarbrough would start game one for the the the, the World Series based on how their ALCS... Um, rotation is set up. Uh, I've not been paying close enough attention attention to confirm nor deny. I have it in front of me, and the way they did it in the ALCS was Snell, Morton, Yarbrough, Glass, now, and then Nick Anderson, and that was the five. And then for game six and seven, they did Snell and then Morton. So next would be Yarbrough. And mm-hmm. I know that the Rays were off today, and I'm pretty sure the World Series starts. Or actually, does it start tomorrow? It might. Is do they have days off? Do I know anything? Where am I? Is this real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in the landslide. All right, I don't want. I don't want to get sued. Okay. okay. <laughs> um. There are no games Monday, so the first game is on Tuesday. Um, so Tuesday would put us how many days out from Snell's first outing? Snell's last outing was October 16th. Tuesday the 20th might be a little bit short of rest. So I would, I would imagine they'd go Yarbrough and then maybe reset back to Snell for game two, Morton game three, and then Glass now game four. As my expectation but it's also the world series so bringing back starting with snell one day short of normal rest might not be that big of a deal especially because he only threw like 85 pitches Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. I don't I mean, know. It works I don't for Matt Harvey, so I don't see why they wouldn't try it. Yeah, famous when the Mets won the World Series in 2015, Matt Harvey really helped him secure that win. Um, <laughs> great, greatest franchise in New York sports history. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah. Anyway, all right. So let's let's look at this Braves team or this uh, Rays team. I had someone. I was I was talking to somebody, and I was like, they were like, oh, who's going to be in the World Series? And I was like, oh, it's either going to be Rays, Braves, or Rays, Dodgers. And they looked at me and they said. What was the first matchup you said? And I said, Rays Braves. And I, I had to say it a few times. And then I started saying Braves Braves because those two <laughs> names are just a little bit too close. And I didn't realize that. <laughs> That's funny. I who agree. was asking you? I forget. <laughs> who was I talking to? Oh, um, I was talking to Matt. Touche. All right. Yeah, we were like at a. It was we were at an, an an engagement party. Um, so it was it was loud and like he just didn't hear it right. So he thought he thought I said Braves twice. Like I was just an idiot who like said yeah the Braves are playing the Braves in the World Series. Um, when in reality it was a different team, um, a floppy fish playing uh, the Braves. But anyway, anyway, so. We're we're in Game Seven, uh, Dodgers Braves, and now I can't look at the Braves right anymore. Um, so I guess let's talk about the Braves to start. Um, we've let's look at hitting. So in terms of OPS, the OPS leader. Wait, who do you think the OPS leader of the Braves is right now in the postseason? Ozzy Albies. He is third. Freddie Freeman. He is second. Uh, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not Ronald Acuna. It is not Ronald Acuna. He is not doing hot. Mm, I don't it's know. It's Charlie Culberson. Of course. The not, um, oh, fuck, what's his name now? Dancy Swanson. Yeah. Charlie Culberson, two games, <laughs> three at-bats, two hits, one strikeout. That's his stat line. I mean, his bat. Him. Are you ready for his batting at his batting line? His sure. batting line right now is six six seven six six seven six six seven. Because of course it is. That's hilarious. Small sample sizes. Uh but that makes his OPS thirteen thirty three, which is quite impressive. Yeah, so it's amazing. Play him the rest of the series and let him finish with that. All he does is hit singles. Um, two thirds of the time. That's so funny. All right, so Freddie Freeman is the is is killing it right now. Twelve ninety eight OPS. Uh, he's 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 doing it all right now, man. He's getting on base healthily. He's batting over four hundred in the series. Um, Ozzy Albies is also hot. Marcel Ozuna, Marcel Ozuna is is hot. Johan Camargo is playing well, as is Nick Markakis. And then you're getting some some struggle, but still acceptable play from guys like. Dansby Swanson, Christian Pache. Patch or Pache? I actually don't know. I have absolutely no idea. Oh, wait, damn it. I just, I might have, like, made this man French by accident. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, no, it is Pache. All right, I pronounced it right. He's also not French. He's Dominican. Anyway. At, Which but, is essentially French, you know. Yeah, yeah. People don't know it, but, but the Dominicans are basically darker French people. Um, 
Yeah, you wouldn't believe how many snails they eat. Yeah. Escargot? Yeah. Oh, I, I get the reference. I just do not appreciate the idea of eating snails. Just gross. Oh, why would you? Um, I would also like to shout snails. out very quickly Pablo Sandoval's uh, triple slash line of 000, 250, 000, 000 for an OPS of 250. Is he also French? Um, no, he is a panda bear. Um, so he got on base somehow. He did not walk. (laughs) So I do not know how he got on base, but what I need to know how the size of an actual Banda bear. I need to know how they calculate win probability added because Pablo Sandoval and his three at bats with his, with his OPS of two fifty has a win probability added of 0.04 and Charlie Culberson with his three at bats and his OPS of thirteen thirty three has a win probability added of negative zero point one five, and I don't get that. Um, I do not have a mathematical or baseball explanation for you. I don't have any explanation for you. I'm pretty useless. Yeah, man, you fucking are. Um, <laughs> I am kidding. I don't think you are. No, I get, I get it. I'm really sad now. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they're they're they are a well hitting team. Um, stacked up against the Astros. Um, the Astros had one player hitting over 1,000 OPS. I'm not counting Charlie Culberson. So the Braves also have one over 900. The Astros had one. The Braves, currently speaking, have two. Over 800, which I'll say is kind of like the line for what where we're standing as being like a good, like a, like a plus hitter. Um, the Astros had four altogether. The Braves have, again, we're not counting Charlie Culberson. Um, five. You should, because he's the best. All right, six. Um, <laughs> so there, 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 I think there's a little bit more middle ground coming from the Braves. I think there's just going to be a little bit more depth in the lineup. You got good performances from the Astros out of George Springer um, and even uh, Martin Maldonado. But I think replacing the over, like you got clutch moments from George Springer and you got acceptable production from Martin Maldonado. But I think you're going to get more um, out of out of the depth pieces for the current performances from guys like Marcelo Zuna, Johan Camargo, Nick Markakis, um, guys who, weirdly enough, depending on your viewpoint on it, are playing at a pretty pretty high level um, considering their age and the pitching matchups that they're currently facing. So I think the lineup of the Braves would give more trouble to the Rays than the Astros presently did, which will be interesting because that was one of the main issues the Rays had when their starters came around for a second time. Which team would you rather see play? Well, which team do you think would have been able to put up better numbers in the World Series? Compared to who? Uh, Astros race, excuse me. Oh, of hitting? Yeah. Um. So that that that's one of the challenges, and yeah, we, let, let's skip to. Oh, geez. Talking about pitching real quick, because one of the one of the interesting quirks of the Rays is that they have like they have the ability to put out like an entire left handed hitting team if they really wanted to. Um, So regardless, they have the advantage of platooning 
whenever they damn well feel like it, which is a powerful tool in some ways. Um, going up against the Braves pitching, the Braves really only have, I guess, like Max Freed and AJ Mittner on uh, as lefties, but those two guys are two dudes who performed pretty well for them, so it's pretty neutralizing. Um, the Dodgers, who, let's see, who do we got on the Dodgers? The Dodgers have good bullpen arms, plus Clayton Kershaw, um, in, to to show up for some some matchups. But I don't think they have as much. I think the Rays might fare. I think the Rays might fare better against Dodgers pitching. Generally speaking, the Astros might fare better against Braves pitching. Generally speaking, of course, I'll only have to. There's a chance I won't have to prove that in any way. <laughs> Since the Astros can't play, and there's a chance that the Rays don't play the Dodgers, so there's a good chance we get a, I get away from this without having to have my record tarnished at all. Um, but that's my estimation based on matchups and current performance. Um, what say you? Um, I think the experience against the Dodgers might have put the Astros at an advantage. Um, but at the same time, fuck them. And they've been so hot and cold this year that I could easily see them falling apart. So I'm going to cop out and say it's a wash. Uh, it, it, it's also, I think, going to make for an interesting case of um, how much the analytics department can be a good conduit of information to the players. Cause that's one of the under discussed parts about analytics in baseball. Is it's not just knowing who throws what and where to stand and, you know, out of the zone swing rate and in the zone swing rate. It's how do you communicate this information to your guys, you know, and the Rays are a team that I think is going to be able to communicate their information very well, because that's like how the team is built. And I would assume the Dodgers are also good at it because they are a team that's good at everything. Um, don't know where the Braves stand on it. And that like technology gap basically is going to make for an interesting point come the actual World Series. Um, oh, in terms of Dodgers hitting, I sorry, I guess let's just put a pin in pitching or uh, hitting. Um, three players over a 1,000 OPS, which is fucking nuts. Corey Seager, Edwin Rios, and Max Muncy. Um, that makes four total players over 900 OPS as you add Jock Peterson and six total players over an 800 OPS. Wow, you add Justin Turner and Enrique Hernandez. So hitting-wise, huh? Oh, just a Kiki. Uh, there's an accent there, so I believe it's Kike. Um, anyway. I don't care. Kiki. Um, anyway, so the Dodgers, I think, would obviously present the tougher matchup for the, the Rays. In terms of hitting, did I just say the opposite earlier? No, I said Dodgers pitching to raise hitting. Yeah, so for Dodgers hitting to raise pitching, um, I think that is going to be a bigger problem. But I think no matter what, either of these teams presents a bigger hitting presence than I think the Astros may have in theory. I think you're seeing that in the box score as well. The Astros have scored um, in each of their games one run. And then game two, two runs, two runs, four runs, four runs, seven runs, and two runs. So they've been held to 
four or fewer runs in every game but game seven. And four runs is enough runs that, hey, you might win. But let's look at the Dodgers Braves scores, shall we? Uh, First game was decided five to one. Already we've gone over four. Eight to seven, 15 to three, 10 to two, seven to three, and three to one. The tamest score we have there is the three to one, five to one coming in second, and the rest of them are bananas. Like, either team shows such an ability to really match. The only score we have over five runs from either team in the ALCS was when the Astros put up seven on the Rays. Neither team broke broke five. The Rays hit five once, and everything else was decided with um, each team scoring five runs or fewer. So the bats is going to be a huge question mark um, for the Rays because, one, how are they going to fare against these teams pitching, which has shown an ability to fail in spectacular ways based on all these runs, but how is the Rays pitching going to fare against this hitting, which has been at times stupid hot. Um, so as with all series is, 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 is ever, yeah, it's going to come down to pitching. It is the, the quintessential part of the game. It is the hardest part to get right. It is the most frustrating thing to see your team fail on. Um, as I'm sure the Dodgers felt pissed watching their team lose eight to seven when seven runs should always win you the game. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't, uh, in terms of pitching the, uh, win probability at a leader for the Braves is Bryce Wilson, uh, who'd have thunk it, um, with his .27 win probability added. Their worst pitcher was Kyle Wright. For the Dodgers pitcher, uh, with the most win probability added, Walker Bueller with .38. Worst one was Blake Trinan with negative .3. No way that holds up. Um, the problem I'm seeing with the Dodgers pitching, just looking at win probability added, which I know isn't the greatest stat, but there's no like war stat and and everything else is so small sample size i want something that kind of takes in all chunks of information um outside of walker bueller at point 38 there's no one really faring in the middle ground victor gonzalez uh bruzdar graterol and kenley kenley jansen are all over point one um but after that it's all kind of downhill and, and it drops off pretty sharply the the Braves have four players over point two for win probability added and one over point one. So that's that's like a full rotation's worth of guys right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not all starting pitchers, but it, it's it's five dudes who are all showing the ability to to get a lot done with their time on the mound. And the Rays, of course, have have good pitching. That's part of the been their big story. Um a, a lot more role players than than lead actors but still a lot of guys who can get the job done and i it this is going to be this is going to be it i i think i think i'll sum it up i think for me the big story is going to be um can the race hit on what might well be better pitching from either the dodgers or the braves and can the race pitching stop either of these two teams is hitting which is definitely better than the astros mm-hmm what say you? I think the depth is really going to play favorites towards uh, raise pitching. Uh, obviously, against the Astros, like versus the Astros. Um, going back to the pitching wise, I think the Dodgers' depth does that for the same reason. Um, I know you know Atlanta's got a bunch of young guys. I just don't know if their depth will be able to hold up. Obviously, the Dodgers are. Always going to have the depth there, just the depth of talented, experienced guys as well. Um, 
I think they would be better fit against the Braves than the Dodgers. Um, but that's just kind of, you know, they're pitching against the Braves hitting versus Dodgers hitting. Um, but that's not really something I'm willing to put a lot of money on. Who are you rooting for out of these three teams to win the World Series? The Rays. I understand. Yeah. How about you, Dodgers? Just not the Rays. Braves, I think, would be my my best choice. Um, But just not the Rays. For, you know, divisional reasons. Yeah, and uh, for some reason you uh, could not understand why I wouldn't have the same feelings, or I, why I would have those same feelings towards the Dodgers. Oh, I understand. Okay, never mind then. Yeah, I get it. Um, I don't particularly want the Dodgers to win either, but I wouldn't be upset if they did. Um, anyway. Alright, well I guess that's that. Um, we'll pick up more shit in terms of topics and and whatnot that's going on in the world of sports, as, uh, as as yeah, you know it. Um, next week we'll see. So the NFL had a lot of uh, stuff going on with with coronavirus positives that a lot of which ended up being false positives, which seems very sketchy. But we'll save that for next uh, next episode since we've been going for a while. It is a lot to talk about with what's been going on with the NFL in terms of coronavirus cases and also just what's going on in the NFL. Um, so if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. Check out our Teespring page. You want to buy a t-shirt that's got our logo on it. Super cool. It's really cool stuff, man. Um, <laughs> and until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Uh, bye.